Welcome to our FLC audio broadcast. We believe today's word will empower you to lead a strong life. Now, let's begin and get ready for this week's inspiring message. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. We find it in Luke chapter 19. It's the story of a man named Zacchaeus. Here's a man who is, as referred to a publican, a tax collector in his day. Now, if you know anything about tax collectors in biblical times, you know that they were not very well-liked people. In fact, they were pretty much hated. When you read the Bible, a lot of times you'll even find stories, parables, where tax collectors are compared to evil. And so we know that in the day, they weren't liked all that much. But here's Zacchaeus, a man who was desperate to see Jesus. And uh, I love what Luke chapter 19 and verse 3 says, says that he tried, he knew Jesus was coming and he tried to get a look at Jesus. But it's interesting that, that Luke writes in here, it says this, that he was too short to see over the crowd. I kind of have a feeling, I don't know that it's true, but I kind of get this gut feeling a little bit that Luke might have been taking a minute here to maybe take a shot at Zacchaeus, because after all, he was a tax collector, and to write into immortality that he was short. Just kind of poke a little fun at him, maybe. But you know what? What I love about the spirit of Zacchaeus is that he was an overcomer. Zacchaeus didn't let obstacles keep him from what he wanted the most and what he knew he needed the most in life. In fact, the Bible shows us that he climbed a tree, a sycamore tree, to see Jesus. He climbed a tree to see Jesus. Now, in a day where a lot of people can't climb out of their nice warm beds on Sunday morning to make it to church, here's a man who climbed a tree to see Jesus. I wonder, would we be willing to climb a tree to see Jesus? You know, but I love there was reward for his effort. Did you know that? He's up in the tree. Jesus walks past, notices him and says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. Now, we used to sing when I was a kid, we'd say, Zacchaeus, you come down from there, for I'm going to your house for tea. I don't know that they had tea, but Jesus did say, come down, I'm going to your house today. The Bible teaches us that they spent the afternoon together, had dinner together. Zacchaeus' life was changed forever, and Jesus says to him in Luke chapter 19, says, today salvation has come to your house. Isn't it good news to know that salvation can come to our house, can come to our house? What are you willing to do? So my question for you today is, is your house ready for Jesus? Is Jesus welcome at your house? Now, I have to imagine that if, if Zacchaeus had actually been Zacharella, a woman, when Jesus walked past and she's up in the tree and he says, Hey, Zacharella, come down from there. I'm going to your house today. She'd have been like, crawled down from the tree like, dude, wait, hang on. No, you not. No, huh? We're not going to my house. It's a wreck. I haven't had a chance to clean or dust all week long. Tell you what, we can just stop by Starbucks, have a chat, but we're not going to my house, right? Is your house a place where Jesus is welcome? You know, I want to uh, talk to you about this today because I believe, I know that home the house, family, is God's idea. Family is God's idea. 
And our homes, you guys, are worth fighting for. If we have to climb up in a tree to save our home, it's worth going after. Can I get a witness? Home is worth fighting for. And, uh, you know, there's actually a saying that I, that I like. It's really simple. It basically says this. It says that love makes a house a home. Anybody ever heard that before? Love makes a house a home. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that I love to do when Kathy's gone for an extended time, if she's out for several hours, and in our house, we have three young children, so our house is pretty much always physically in chaos. There's stuff everywhere all the time. It's like, you know how it goes, right? As parents, if you've been parents of kids before, you know, you're picking up over here and they're dropping it out back here, right? It's just the circle. And so when Kathy runs out, if she's gone for any extended period of time, I like to try to pick the house up. I like to try to clean, sweep, uh, get the counters all cleaned off, dishes put away, and uh, light a candle, make it smell really nice. And when she comes home, it's clean. How many, coming home to a clean house is like a vacation, isn't it? Yeah. And so I, I, like, I like to do that. So I want to I encourage you if I could just, you know, today we're going to talk about the home. We're going to talk about house. Uh, we're going to talk about your home. We're talking whether you're single or married or married with children, this message is for all of us today. But I want to take just a side journey here real quick and just talk to the husbands real fast. Give you some maybe friendly brotherly advice. If you want your home to truly be the kind of castle you want it to be, if you want your house to be a place of love and peace and joy, you need to do some stuff for your wife. Ladies, come on. I set that up on a tee for you. I got it all ready for you, and, and that's the best I can get out of that, ladies. I'm putting my life on the line here for you. I said, God, I said, wait, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. You don't really get credit for that, just so you know. I had to talk you into it. But guys, you need, you need to surprise your wife every now and then. She needs, to, she needs to come home and, and be like, you bought me flowers, oh. you clean the house, I love you, you clean the car, oh my goodness, you, you fill the car up with gas, oh my goodness, you're awesome. You turned your man cave into a scrapbooking room. <laughs> hey, I always got to push the envelope, right? <laughs> you need to surprise her every now and then. And then, and then when she says to you, baby, what's gotten into you? You can just step up and say, Right? It's the power of love. You say, baby, baby, I love you. It's the power of love, baby. It's love that makes our house a home, baby. You can get your preach on up in there for a little while with that, right? Come on, guys. Love makes a house a home. Look at somebody's tongue and say, love makes a house a home. In Matthew chapter 7, 
and verse 24, we read about a certain kind of house, a couple kinds of houses. And I want to talk to you today about rock-solid homes. I want to talk to you today about rock-solid families. I'm convinced that solid families are the key to a solid church. The solid church family is the key to a solid community. And I don't know about you, but I want my home to be a solid home. And so we look at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, and the Bible talks here about a couple kinds of houses. Jesus is saying this. He says, look, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house. Anybody ever experienced that in your life? Anybody experienced that in your home? The rain comes in torrents, right? And the wind's blowing and the storms. Anybody ever had a storm in your home? And even though, it says, even though they come, it will not collapse because it's built on bedrock. There's a rock solid house built on God's word. Verse 26, he says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Church, I believe that today there are homes all across this nation that are collapsing with a mighty crash because they're not built on the solid foundation of God's Word. They're built on shifting, changing sand. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to the ocean before or not. When I go to the ocean, one of the things I like to do is I like to stand on the beach and get my feet right down on the water and just stand there. When I, when I first step into the edge of the water, I'm standing on the sand. But if I stand there long enough and I let the waves come in and crash over my feet, pretty soon the waves begin to erode the sand. They begin to wash away the sand. And if I stand there long enough, I can literally get up to my shins in sand without moving my feet. Why? Because the foundation is just being swept away. Listen, can I tell you something, church? Family is on sand in America today. It's shifting underneath our feet. The solid foundation of what we know God has put together is being eroded in our nation today, and we're sinking into the sand. But I believe that there's a generation of God's people who will say, not me, not my house. We're going to take a stand. We're going to build this thing on the bedrock of Jesus Christ and the Word of God, and we're going to be a solid family, a solid home. Anybody desire that today? Maybe you say, maybe you say Pastor... Maybe you say, Pastor, you, you don't know my reality, and it's, my reality is shifting sand at best. That's okay. We're going to find some bedrock for you today. We're going to help you reestablish your home. Anybody interested in a rock-solid home today? So, you know, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're married with children, this is for you, your home, your house. And so I want to talk to you today about rock-solid homes. But I do have to say this. I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your help in this message today. So we'll have a little fun, but we're going to talk about some things that are going to get a little uncomfortable. So I need your help. Uh, so, so if we reach that place and you can kind of feel it in the air, I just need you to kind of go, yeah. Can you do that? Who can do that for me? Say, yeah. yeah. 
That's what I'm talking about. That helps. It's helping. It's helping. All right? Or you can say, that's right. You kind of missed that one. <laughs> say, I don't want to get out of this territory. No, you need to get, as we used to say in, in, the, in the old school, we used to say, I need you to preach with me today. All right? Yeah. So I need you to help me out as we go f- through this. You're going to give me your help? Yeah. All right. Very good. The first thing that we have to look at when we're saying, you know what? We're going to have a rock solid home, a rock solid family. The first thing that we have to look at is we have to commit our home to God. We've got to commit our home to God. In Joshua chapter 24, uh, Joshua was one of God's leaders. He helped to lead God's people out of Egypt. They were held bondage and uh, bond and captive in Egypt for 400 years. God delivers them out of Egypt. Joshua was one of the leaders that was there and was leading them out. And now they're here in the promised land enjoying all that God has given them. And in the verses leading up to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, the Bible shows us that Joshua was challenging the people. He was challenging them because he began to recognize that among God's people, there started to be a sway away from God. There was, there was starting to be a leaning away from God, the creator, the deliverer, back toward the idols and the worship that they used to experience when they were in Egypt. And so he recognized that there was this kind of leniency that was happening, this kind of sway away from God going on. And Joshua stands before the people and he challenges them. And and leading up to verse 15, he says this. He talks about, look, I realize you have a choice. I realize you have your own homes. I realize that in the past you worshipped other idols, other things, other pursuits in life. But you've got to understand where God has brought us to. You've got to understand what he's brought us through. You've got to understand where he's put us today. And he said, now I realize that you have a choice about who you're going to worship. He said, but I'm recommending, I'm suggesting that you choose to worship the everlasting God. The God who has delivered us. See, guys, listen, there's always a chance for our homes to go backwards. There's always a chance for the home to get worse. We're seeing some of that in our world today. But if there's a chance for it to get worse, there's a chance for it to get better. And so Joshua said, look, what I'm encouraging you to do is commit your home to God. And then he stands up and he makes a declaration in Joshua 24, 15. And I love what he says here. Simple declaration. He goes and he explains all this. He says, look, I know it's, it's on your shoulders. It's your choice. You can go back and worship the idols you worshiped before, or you can worship the God that has delivered us and brought us to this place. And then he stands up and he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So what does he do? He, he leads by example in that moment to say, look, I realize things have gotten bad, but as for me and my house, we're committing our house to God. And so I wonder today if there are any families here who will say, I'm going to commit our house to God. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord. I want you just to say it with me right now. Say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It doesn't matter if you're single, if you're just married, if you're married with children. It doesn't matter what your situation in your home is. You can say, as for me and this house, We're going to commit to God. We're going to serve the Lord. 
Genesis chapter 17 and verse 7, I love, we see the character and the heart of God here in this verse. It's awesome. It's so empowering what we're going to see here about what God says. Now, he's speaking to Abraham when he gives us this scripture, when he says these words to Abraham. Abraham is our father in the faith. Abraham is the reason that you and I have a covenant with Jesus today. Abraham was the original covenant maker with God. And so he's our spiritual father. He's the the physical father of the Jews and the Hebrews, but he's our spiritual father. And so we see in Genesis 17, 7, this is what God says to Abraham. He says, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. Somebody say generation to generation. He said, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. What is God saying here? He's saying, look, I don't want to just be the God of your reality. I want to be the God of your children's reality. I want to be the God of your children's children's reality. I want to be the God of your children's 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 reality. He says, I'm making a covenant with you that your children, I will be their God as well. See, when you commit your house to God, you're not just making a covenant for yourself. You're making a covenant for every person that comes under that household. You're making a covenant for your children and your children's children. I love that God shows his faithfulness to us in that moment. You know, I think about some of the journeys that we get to have the privilege of watching as a part of this church family. It's amazing journeys that families have taken. We've watched several families over the, just the past year stand up and say, as for us and our house, we're going to serve God. And the thing that I find most powerful in that moment is that not only are they saying it for themselves as parents, but when there's children involved, they're saying it for their kids as well. That the life and the future of their children is forever changed by that declaration of saying, as for me and my house. I know people that just in this past week have said, as for us and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. And what we have to understand is that the future is forever changed for every generation from that point forward. It's a beautiful thing. It's a God thing. Why? Because God is for the home. Listen, if you've not committed your home to God, if you've not taken that stand, there's no time like the present. Don't get in guilt. Don't feel condemned because you haven't made that step. Just make it today. Just get, get around your house. Gather your family around. Gather your spouse around. If you're single, grab a mirror. And just say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on, church, say it with me one more time. Ready, go. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Feels good just to say it, doesn't it? So the first thing that we have to do commit our household to God. The second thing that I want to encourage you to do is to change your filters. Change your filters. Uh, just the other day, uh, I went to Lowe's and I bought a new filter. And uh, I went downstairs in our furnace to our furnace and I pulled out the old filter and I put in a new filter. Now, we all know what a filter is for. A filter helps to keep out the things you don't want in and let the things you do want in, in. It's what a filter does. A filter keeps out the stuff we don't want. 
And can you imagine what your house would be like if you didn't have a filter in your furnace? You think it's dusty now. Think about how bad it would be if you removed the filter. You know how many families today are living life without a filter? Or they haven't changed their filter in forever. The same way they were making decisions 20 years ago, they're still making them today. How many of you know that as you grow as a family, as you grow as a couple, as you grow as an individual, you got to change your filter every now and then? There are things that we let into our lives, church, that don't belong in our realities. Your spirit has a filter, and that filter needs to be changed every now and then. We've got to get more precise about the things that we're letting in, the things that we're letting through into our reality. Because, you know, when I went down to change this filter, I took, I took the one out. I was getting ready to put the new one in. Well, this is the one I took out. Isn't that a little bit different? It's not quite so clean, isn't it? Now, you know what? I'm glad that this filter did its job. I'm glad it filtered out all that dust and pollen and probably kept my family from even from sickness and those kinds of things. Why? It's filtering that out of our home. I wonder what spiritual filters we have on our homes today. I wonder today if we're catching the negative comments, if we're catching the negative attitudes, if we're watching the content of our conversations and the things we allow into our home environment because they're having an impact on our spirit. You just got to change your filter. Everybody say, change your filter. And I got to tell you right now, the greatest filter you can put in place in your home is God's word. Make God's word your filter. You know, and here's the reality. The reality is where it concerns our filters. It filters our conversations. It filters our relationships. It filters our emotions. But also filters our entertainment. Remember, I already gave a disclaimer. Going to need your help. I want you to think about this for a second. Now, I'm not going to get down into your life. It's your life. You make decisions. I make decisions about my life. You make decisions about your life. I'm not trying to tell you how you live your life. I just think it's important that we're aware of what goes on in our homes. Parents, are you filtering your child's life? Are you filtering their friends? Are you filtering their music? Are you filtering their movies and television shows? Are you paying attention to what's going on in their reality? You know, a a lot of parents today are fighting just to be their child's friend. But can I tell you something? That's not your appointment in the home. Your appointment in the home is not to be their friend. It's to be their guide. It's to be their leader. It's to help them live the best life by sometimes through discipline. Sometimes through love. Always through love and compassion. But we can't be the best friend. We've got to be a parent. We've got to parent our children. We've got to, the Bible says to raise them up in the way they should go. Well, that's going to require knowing what's going on in their life. Being a filter for their reality. You know, here, here's the, the truth is, is that our, our kids don't know as much as they think they do. Kids, I love you with all my heart. I think you're some of the smartest, most intelligent people on the face of the earth. But you've got life to live yet. And you're surrounded by people who have been there, done that. Can I get a witness? Anybody been there, done that? And if we shout, stay away from the cliff, there might be some wisdom in that. We're just trying to help filter the bad things out of your life so you can live the best life possible. Are you with me today, parents? So we've got to be watchful about 
what we're filtering and allowing into our home. I want to give you a, a couple examples real quickly here. Um, I'm gonna, I want to share the lyrics from a couple songs. Now, you got to understand my heart in this. For me, words are words. I don't, I, don't really, I don't get all tied up about words. It's the heart behind them that we have to think about. And so I want you to think about what is going into the ears of this generation. Uh, I want the, so what I did is I blacked out all the words that aren't appropriate to share in church. And so the first song, I want to show you the first song real quick, and I'll read the lyrics to you. These are all the words. <laughs> uh, that's just a joke, kind of. But, but seriously, we're going to look at a couple songs real quick. This is number 13 on the American Top 40. Now, I don't have the lyrics even blacked out on this one because it would have looked like the last one. Number 13 on the American Top 40 is by an artist called ASAP Rocky. The name of the song is Blankin' Problems. It's not actually the word blank. I said blank, but it's not the word blank. Blankin' Problems. I'm not going to talk about the lyrics, but I want to tell you the content of the lyrics. The content of the lyrics is that 19 times in the written lyrics. Now, it's important to say written lyrics because that's not the performed lyrics. You know, just because the chorus is written one time doesn't mean you'll only do the chorus one time, right? If you do the chorus 20 times, then you've got to multiply that. But the written lyrics of this song, number 13 on American Top 40, has the F-bomb 19 times. Refers to women in a very lovingly and compassionate and valuable way, eight times, just in the written lyrics, as the B-word, which, you know, really builds the self-esteem of women, right? Women, don't you appreciate the fact that there are artists out there calling you those names and trying to make it look glamorous and glorious and rising up on the AT Top 40 charts. Aren't you glad? No, 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 no. no. We got to filter this stuff. We've got to watch. We've got to be aware and be a filter for this generation. American uh, Top 40, number 28, Icona Pop, song called Love It. Just listen to the message. I got this feeling on the summer day when you were gone. I crashed my car into the bridge. I watched. I let it burn. I threw your blank into a bag and pushed it down the stairs. I crashed my car into the bridge. I don't care. I love it. I don't care. Positive message for our children today, right? I don't care about your stuff. I crashed my car. You left. I don't care. Not a positive message today, is it, church? Subtle things that we have to be aware of. It's the dust we don't pay attention to. Is it getting through the filter. Again, the words are words. It's the heart that makes a difference. The number two song, the second most popular song in the American Top 40, is a song called Thrift Shop. Some of you know it. Some of you dance to it. That's all I got. All right, here you go. Here are the lyrics to Thrift Shop, and I have to watch here. I'm going to pop some tags, only got $20 in my pocket, I, I, I hunting, I looking for a come up. This is blank and awesome. Now, walking to the club like, what up, I got a big blank. I'm so pumped, I bought some blank from a thrift shop. Ice, ice and the fridge are so blank frosty, the people like blank, that's a cold blank honky. <laughs> I'm just reading the words. And I, I got to be honest with you, 
And I know this is reality in a lot of cases. I don't believe this about Family Life Church, but in a lot of cases, if I were to actually read the real words, there are more people that walk out offended that I said those words in church than they are about the fact that our children are listening to these lyrics and pushing it to number two. Until we build a better filter into our realities and we stand up and say, as for me and my house, not in my house, not in my house, not in my house. Now we do it lovingly. We love our children. We explain to them. We sit down. We talk to them. Sometimes we just pull the headphones out of the iPod, but we filter what's happening in our homes and just when all the adults thought they were off the hook. Let's talk about the TV shows that we allow into our home. Let's talk about the drama that we get all up into like they're real people. Let's talk about how we allow it to impact our marriages because he dresses a lot hotter than your real husband does. Let's talk about the gross, grotesque murder scenes that are splashed all over our screens every week, church. And let's ask ourselves, are these realities we want to expose ourselves to on a weekly, daily basis and allow those things into our spirit? We have the opportunity to filter on every level. There are families today that are struggling with hard issues in their home. I'm talking about things that you and I and many of us would find very uncomfortable and some of us are even experiencing here today. But all of us, all of us need to check our filters. All of us need to change our filters on a consistent basis. You know, Kathy and I ran into this recently in our own home. We began to see a change in behavior in our kids. And we kind of ferreted it back to a little bit of the attitude they were seeing in some of the shows that they were watching. And so we finally said, and we're not blaming it on television. We're not saying it's television's fault. We're parents. We have control over the remote. Produce what you want. Our kids aren't going to watch it. And if enough people don't watch it, guess what? It doesn't get produced anymore. Are you with me, church? And so we made a decision and said, you know what? No more. No more. Our kids complained a little bit. They'll get over it. They'll be all right. They'll find something else to do. We'll guide them in a new direction. But are you with me, church? We got to change the filter. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Here's a great filter you can apply to your home. Philippians 4 and 8. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I kept bouncing down the stairs one day. And I sat down on the couch to watch TV. And I started to flip on the TV. And I don't know if I was going to watch Gilligan's Island or something. I don't know. And uh, so I was going to sit down and watch some TV. And I, I pointed the remote toward the TV. Actually, I think I still had to turn it on at the time. So, yeah, I think I had to run up to the TV to pull the knob, turn it on. And so, so I go up and I start to turn the TV on, reach out for the knob. And here on top of our TV is a picture that looks something like this. My mom had found Jesus' senior picture <laughs> and set it on top of our TV and it had the words underneath it, would Jesus watch this? I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious, Mom? Come on. And so I walked up to the TV and laid the picture down and turned the TV on. But that became a filter for us. It did it. It caused us to think differently about the things we were letting into our eyes and into our ears 
and therefore into our spirit. Can I get a witness? Would anybody say, I could probably change my filter a little bit? I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's do it. Let's change the filter in our homes a little bit. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 says this, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Let obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God, Christ, of Christ and God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of the world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Anybody glad that you have light in your life now? So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. So we have to change the filter in our home. The next thing that we have to do is we got to set the thermostat. Look at somebody just tell them, say, set the thermostat. You know, when I go into my house, if it's too cold or it's too hot, I have this little control unit on the wall I can walk up to and I can set the temperature of my home. I can make it cooler or I can make it warmer. I can change and I can set the temperature of my home. Do you know you set the temperature of your home? Your words, your attitudes, your actions set the temperature of your home. You can set the temperature of your home. You know, one of the things that I like to do at nighttime is when the children finally fall asleep. And isn't that just, if you have kids, isn't that just one of the most precious times of the day? I feel so much more love for my kids when they're sleeping. And I'll often walk into their bedrooms and just stand in their rooms and pray over them. I'll pray for their spouses. They're not engaged. They're not ready to get married. But I'll pray for their future wife. I'll pray for their future father in the name of Jesus. I pray for a man that will treat Ali with respect, that will be a man of God, that will live according to your word. God, I thank you that you give Kathy and I the wisdom to filter out those who have misintent toward our daughter. And we plead your blood upon her, Jesus, that you would keep her safe. I pray for Grant, God, that you would make your calling clear in his life, that you would help us to steer him in the right direction, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help Max just to chill out a little bit and not run around so much. No, I'm just kidding on that one. But guys, we set the environment of our home. If you're single or you're married without children, you get in, God, I think that our marriage is hot. I think that the time we have together is precious. I think that the extra time we have, we can pour into building your kingdom, Lord, that our friends that we invite over feel the peace of God in this house. Are you with me, church? You set the temperature. Well, you might say, but pastor, I think the furnace is broken in my home. I don't know that it's working. No, listen, it might not be what you want it today, but you can set it to what it will be with your words and your attitude and your actions and the adjustments, but putting in a new filter, you can begin to change the environment. And here's what I realize is that when I walk into my home, if it's too cold and I turn the heat up, it doesn't instantly get hot. It takes some time. So it's going to take time. If your environment is not what you want it to be, set that temperature where you want it to be. 
I know that if I want it set on 72 and right now it's, it's 63, I'm going to have to put up with coal for a little bit, but we're on our way to 72. And if I'll not give in, if I'll not cave, if I'll stick to 72, I know that coming soon I can take my jacket off and enjoy 72. Why? Because I stuck with it. The same thing is true of the environment of your home. It may not be what you want it to be today, but if you'll set the standard and say, this is where we're going. This is where we're going to end up, and you'll stick to it. We're going to serve God. We're going to please God. We're going to build the kingdom. We're going to love people, and you'll stick to that. It may take some time, but the day is coming when you'll say, ah, this is exactly what we wanted. Are you with me today, church? There's hope for every one of us, every one of us, but we've got to set the thermostat. Matthew chapter 21, verse 21 says this. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, if you have faith, And don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, you got to use the power of your words, church. You got to speak over your children, speak over your spouse, speak over your future. Walk into your home and say, This is a house committed to God. You say, You may be, uh, you may say to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. So we got to set the thermostat. Set the thermostat. And lastly, today, we got to install a security system. Install a security system. Listen, build security into your home. Make your home a place where people know they can go there and they're going to be secure. You're going to lock out evil. You're going to lock out maliciousness and evil intent and malintent toward others. Conversations that lead to frustration and anger, bitterness, you're going to lock that out. Your home is a safe haven. It's a secure place. I love what Psalm 91 says, and we can make this our security statement for our homes. It says this, if you will make the Lord your refuge, <clears throat> if you'll make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. Everybody say it with me. No evil, no evil will, conquer my home. will conquer my home. No plague will come near you, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. That boy's going to arrive at your house and knock on the door and say, I came to take your daughter out, and he's going to bolt for the car. Why? Because it's something you didn't know, because you got a 12-foot angel standing behind you going, I don't think so. <laughs> Security system in your home. He says he gives his angels. I love it. They will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot. On a stone, you will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Church, when you commit your house to God, When you change the filter system in your home and you more precisely watch what you're allowing into your family, what you're allowing into your marriage, what you're allowing into your own life, when you begin to say, I'm going to be the temperature setter, I'm not just going to be a thermometer that tells everybody what's going on, I'm going to be a thermostat. I'm going to set the temperature to what it's going to be in my home. When you do those things and you come to the place where you say, God, you are my security 
and you give your angels charge over us, the atmosphere and environment of your home begins to shift. It shifts away from the sand and the standards that change on a daily basis to being bedrock. When the storms come and the rains come and the winds howl and they blow and controversy rises in your area and your reality, it will not destroy your home. Why? Because you're founded on the rock solid truth of Jesus Christ and you said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Why don't you stand with me today? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you care about our families. We thank you, Lord, that you care about our home environment. Lord, we know we live in it. We know it's not perfect. It's more imperfect sometimes than it is perfect, but we're on our way to better. We're choosing today to set that thermostat on a different level. We're choosing today to say, no more strife in my marriage. Might take some time to get there, God, but we know when we set that standard, that's what we're going after. It's just going to get better and better and better. We're saying that we love our children. We want the best for their future, but we're not going to allow the enemy's influence to have any kind of impact on their heart and their spirit. And if it means sometimes coming at odds with our children because we're standing in opposition to what we know is a lie from Satan, we trust that the love of your Holy Spirit is going to keep that relationship strong, will not cause it to be breached, but will come together in love and understanding and know we're on the same page with our children, God. We want a strong future for them. So I speak strong future over every child in here today, over every teen. Lord, I stand with the parents today, and I proclaim your goodness. I speak Psalm 91 over their lives today, and we say that your angels have charge over them. We plead your blood, Jesus, upon their life, that you'll keep them safe in their schools, in their sporting activities, in their groups, with their friends, in their neighborhood, God, that your angels are watching out over our children because our house is committed to you, God, committed to you. Lord, I pray for every marriage. That the enemy who would seek to divide would be a loser. That he, that he that would seek to come and cause separation would be utterly and completely defeated by the power of your word and the hope of Christ today. I speak solid marriages in the name of Jesus. A spirit of humility and understanding in our marriages today. God, we stand for family. Lord, those who are living alone, those who are single, don't have a spouse, don't have children, but are in their own home, God, living life out, maybe even with others, Lord, roommates that are living with them. I speak peace over their lives today, that they'd still set the atmosphere of their home to serve you, committed to you, that everybody who graces their doors, God, would know it's a home of peace and destiny, that they would leave that home thinking, dear God, there's something greater for my life. I see it in my friend and how they committed their house to God. Lord, we stand together today for strong families across this nation, across our community. I raise up every family in Marion, Ohio right now. Church, pray with me right now for our families. Jesus, we pray for our families struggling financially, struggling emotionally, struggling spiritually, God. We will not stand idly by while the enemy gets a grip on them, but we will reach out in love and encouragement. And as so many have already, we'll see them commit their house to God set a new environment for their reality, God. Come alongside this church family, hear your word, get empowered, and change their life forever, Lord. We thank you for it. We claim them right now in the name of Jesus. 
Come on, they're your friends. Reach out for them into the heavenlies right now. Call their name out. Come on, call their name out. Call their home out. You know who they are? You see them every day. You're going to see them today around lunch. You're going to run into them later on today. Pray for them right now. Come on, church, lift your voice. Just say, God, help them. Jesus, be in their reality. Show me what I can do to impact their world. Let's cry out for our families today, church. Lord, in this nation, we cry out for our families. It is the lifeblood of a strong nation. And we will not stand by and watch family be degraded, shifting sand, falling away under our feet. No, God, we, we pray for the foundation of this nation. Lord, your idea of family, our homes, our houses, we speak safety and security in Jesus' name. We claim Psalm 91 over our reality in Jesus' name. But church, aren't you glad? That you can call on the name of the Lord today for your family, for your home, for your house, for your future. Listen, maybe you haven't made that decision as Joshua did in Joshua 24, 15. Maybe you haven't said yet, as for me and my house, whether you're single or married, you have a family, whatever the case is for you. Maybe you haven't said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I want to invite you to make that commitment right now. You're surrounded by all kinds of people in every, every journey in life that have made the commitment to say, Jesus, you're my leader. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you've made that commitment already and it's impacted your life, let me just hear you give God some praise right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Now, why, why did I do that? Why did it, to get a cheer? No. I wanted you to know you're not alone. There are others who have gone before you on the same path as you, but they've made the decision to say, as for me and my house, and it's impacting their reality right now, every one of us. So if you're in that place today where you've not said, Jesus, I invite you into my home, into my reality, into my house, my life, forgive me. I want to invite you to do that right now. It's your choice. Many options that you have, you can choose to follow God or not, but I'm just telling you right now, I'm encouraging you right now, choose Jesus. Choose the best choice you'll ever make. If that's you today, why don't you just lift your hand up and say, I want to pray that prayer right now. I want to receive Christ into my life right now. It's awesome. I see those hands. It's awesome. 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 Bless the Lord. Church, are we excited to pray with our friends today? Welcome them into the house of God, into the kingdom of God. Anyone else, before we pray, just say, this is my moment. I'm stepping in. I'm accepting God. I'm saying that's for me and my house. Anybody else before we pray? Church, I want us to pray this right now with conviction, with confidence. Just say, Jesus, Jesus I, believe I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe the Spirit of God raised you from the dead, and you're alive today. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Be my leader in life and help me to do your plan for my life. Amen. Come on. Can we give him a big hand today? Thank you, Jesus. Come on. We trust that today's message has been an encouragement to you. If you have any questions or would like more information about Family Life Church, visit us on the web at www.yourfamilylife.org.